Lewis Black live on the morning press. Uh, let's start. Let's start the conversation this way, Lewis. What are we complaining about this morning? What's What's up? What's up on a Tuesday morning? Oh no! It's everything gets better and better, don't you think? Every day, <laughs> yeah. every day, uh, the rainbow rises. We get closer to the pot of gold. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just it's every day. I, I breathe it in and go, God, we're really getting closer to what I thought this country would be about. <laughs> Seriously. But, but, you know, I, I, I just am so prideful that I can watch us, literally, since we don't have a fight anywhere, that we continue to realize that we just have to fight each other. How good are we? I, hey, now listen, Lou, I do want to, some, some positive, let's start on a positive note here, because no, Kevin no, and I... No, yeah, no, 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 that was as positive wait, as I could be. Because I know, I know for a fact that you, you are always very close with your parents. Now, your mom, your mom is still sticking around. She's what a hundred and four years old? No, but uh, don't push it. She she's a hundred and three. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. And then last year she's at her birthday. She said, "I'm not over ninety nine. <laughs> don't look a day right. over ninety nine. I'm sure. All right. Yeah. So, well, that's uh, that's some good news. Now, listen, Lewis. Hey, the other thing I wanted to mention to you, I we have a little <laughs> bit of a personal history you would not remember, but. Before I got into talk radio, I was a stand-up, and I was based in Boston. I used to play the Boston Comedy Festival with Jim McHugh all the time. Wow, and, yes. and I actually have a great photograph of you with my mom taken at Dick Doherty's Comedy Vault. Wow. In, like, I don't know. Wow, that's like, like you, you just saying that sentence nearly gave me a stroke. Oh, <laughs> no, don't do that. Yeah, uh, the Comedy Vault, one of those classic <laughs> dive... <laughs> The comedy ball. What a name for something! It's like it's like where you'd go to lock comics up. Exactly, right? <laughs> and, and that's where I happen to meet you, and I have a wow. great photograph from that day. But let's go back. You know, one of the things that I always enjoyed about your story, uh, one of the funniest comedians in the business, and you have been for for uh, for a couple of decades now. But you're a guy. Take our listeners through your background. You were a playwright. You were a playwright in New York. You. You started your career as a very serious uh, gentleman, didn't you? And then things kind of went off the rails. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> no, but I actually, I mean, I try to write, you know, comedic plays to the interest of nobody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the only thing that comes close to being a, a playwright is taking a, a vow of poverty in the Catholic Church. Right. Uh, yeah. it, I kept... I, and then when I finally got a, this is really what's extraordinary, when I finally got a play that I really for years had thought would be my breakthrough play, and then about seven, about ten years ago, we finally got it up and going, and it was being done, that that the money I was receiving at that point, which was literally almost 40 years later, was like uh, about $500 more than I would have gotten 40 years ago. Right. It's, oh, my gosh. It was unbelievable. It was really, I was going, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself as I'm looking at the, at the check, thinking, what was, I, I really, I loved writing so much and loved theater so much that I just wasn't thinking. I was really happy doing it. Yeah, yeah, and you're one of these guys. You know, your story, your mom is a school teacher. You, you have a degree from the Yale School of Drama. So one of these classic, overeducated guys who's making yeah. no money in New absolutely no money in New no. York. And, uh, so when was it, when, when and why did you make the transition? How did the transition to stand-up happen? 
Well, because I was working on a play that I, that was another play that we thought it was a musical, and we got the, uh, the, the musical done down at uh, the um, uh, a, a theater, the uh, Alley Theater in Houston, mm-hmm. uh, Texas. And it, it's kind of like, uh, I, it's like when you get done in a big regional theater, it's like triple-A ball, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So we're a moment away. And this was supposed to be kind of a, a workshop environment. And, um, and then I realized that everything that the theater had been telling us was a lie. <laughs> so they were lying about everything. And um, so it, it, it just it started to go, I go, I've been aspiring to do this. This is crazy. And I was supposed to be able to stay there and work on the play. That was the deal. And then they said, well, you can't stay. And I was broke. You know, I was going to be borrowing money from my parents and my brother to kind of stay there. And, uh, and I went, so I went across town, and I'd just kind of been doing more and more stand-up, right? right? And I went across town, and I auditioned at a comedy club, and, uh, and, they, and, I, and, and they said, uh, wow, you know, you can, you know, we had a, just had a fallout. I auditioned for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. We just had a fallout. Would you like to come back and headline here in four weeks, which would allow me to come back and see the play? They were going to pay me the same amount of money. They were going to pay for one week's work, as opposed to the three years I put on in, in this play. They were going to pay me for the, for one week's worth of work. Uh, they were going to give me a nicer place to stay and a car. Oh. And I'm going, well, what's what's wrong with this picture? Right. So I said, a drunk, a guy, a drunk running a club <laughs> is more interested <laughs> in me than the theater community. That's it. <laughs> I'm going to go with the drunks. So this is, you're one of the, see, Lewis, what I like about your story, everybody loves to think that everybody is an overnight success. You're a good example of somebody you kicked around for 20 years or so, and you didn't really get anywhere. And then a great example of somebody who, if you just kick around for another 10 or 20 years, maybe, maybe you'll achieve something. That overnight stardom. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think, uh, this is what I, when, when, when kids always ask, you know, you know what do you you know what do you do and uh, uh, I and I always say you know you pick what you like to do yeah. and if you pursue initially what you like to do you will end up doing something that you like to do if you pick something you want to do for money then you will end up being a miserable miserable son of a you know yeah. <laughs> right. did your did since we just mentioned your mama did your mom like mine when I got into radio keep wondering when you were going to get a real job mm-hmm. mm. oh yeah my mother was okay. My mother was first, okay, you're not going to be a doctor, marry a doctor. <laughs> right. If you're not going to marry a doctor, this was her brilliant one. I was going to, <laughs> to drama school, and my mother said, you know what you should be going to? It's a graduate school that, that does, uh, that, so that you can get a job in like a big corporate job in health insurance, because that's where the money's going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, you know, love and, that. <laughs> and of course, in, in on both counts, Lewis, she's not exactly wrong. No, <laughs> she's, no, she's not wrong. No, she wasn't. You know, <laughs> but I would have been just miserable. But still, she she nailed it. Okay, so you realize in Houston all these many years ago that uh, that maybe I could I could give a go of of stand up comedy. So you get back in New York, and at what point then? I imagine you you just start contacting some people. You start playing in the clubs. You get to know these people like John Stewart and the guys at the Daily Show, and that was kind of really one of your first big television breaks. Was was the early two thousands on the Daily Show? The Daily Show actually the big break was really Conan, mm-hmm. where I started getting on on his show a lot 
because I had a ton of material now that I'd been working on and that nobody knew. And so I started doing these clubs, and then they'd call me up and say, you want to do it? You want to come on the show? Yeah, I'll come on the show. You want to come on the show? Yeah. So I was, he, he was kind of just, his show was getting started, and in a lot of ways, so they needed somebody who was going to come on, and I was coming on and doing, filling, filling time, in a sense, and then that trans, transitioned into the Daily Show, because now I'm known in the clubs, and it wasn't, John, I was known by a, another comic who, uh, <coughs> um, who basically was the, the, the producer of the show, and another friend of mine who wrote about comedy, who was also one of the producers. Mm-hmm. Now, who are they? Would that be Liz Winstead? Liz Winstead yeah. and uh, Hank Gallo. Oh yeah, yeah. How do you, Lewis? How, how did how do you change your material for a, a particular market? Because I mean, you're you you are the best storyteller, one of the best storytellers I think I've ever heard. And you also are very topical, based on news and headlines of the day. Does it change based on where you're performing? Like if you were you're performing in Chattanooga on April 8th at the Walker Theater, does that change from New York or Los Angeles or Chicago or anything like that? No. Uh, we got, that's why God gave us cable. <laughs> <laughs> we're all in the same stew pot now, so you can't get, you know. The only thing I do is I'll pick up a, a local paper and, uh, and start looking at it and see if there's something there that I can bring on stage and talk about, and there generally is. There's generally like something completely stupid that's happened, oh. and everybody in the audience knows it's you, stupid. You just you call me when you get to town. I'll load you up with stupidity. There's plenty of it here, Lewis. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> One of the other things about you, Lewis, you, you, you've always been a big champion of of other comedians to uh, guy, guys who who you think are some of the best in the business. I know you were always close with like like a D.L. Hughley and uh, Patton Oswalt and these guys who you've. Yeah. Kind of taken under your wing. Who, who in Lewis Black's opinion? Maybe if you had to give us three or four names, who who are some great comedians that maybe our listeners haven't heard of that they need to listen to? Well, I mean, you know, somebody who deserves more. Really, I mean, you know her, and people seem to know her, but she really deserves more credit. Is Kathleen Madigan? You know, yeah, she's the she's the one of the funniest people in the country by far. And a lot of people aren't paying attention, and she's great. And she, and because of the nature of the way things are now in terms of getting out there, and if you're not on something that people can go, oh, she's the woman who's in this thing. Uh, you didn't see this thing? You don't get seen, and she should be seen more and more. Uh, my friend Ted Alejandro, who lives here in the city, is one of the funniest people I know. Mm-hmm. He's done a couple of – he finally – he's – he he did a couple of very good uh, in the midst of the the pandemic did did YouTube specials. Um, uh, he did one in particular and uh, a couple of little series on his own that are that are very very good. Um, those are two that come to mind immediately. Uh-huh. Well, April eighth, you'll be in Chattanooga. It's a Friday, April eighth. That's when your show is the Lewis Black Show at. Uh, the Walker Theater. So if you get into town early that day and you want to come by and spend some time on the air with us, you are cordially invited. Would love to have you here, Lewis. Well, if I get in there early enough, I'll do it. Absolutely. And uh, and I and I took uh, Chattanooga in my. Uh, I moved him. I had him coming in. 
I think into the uh, into the Sweet Sixteen. Mm. We we we, Man, we just missed so it. Close. It was a just, yeah, missed just missed it. It was, yeah. it was they were really fun to watch. That was a great team. That was fun. Well, listen, we're uh, looking forward to seeing your show though. Very much so. Again, it won't be the first time for me, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Lewis. Yeah. Well, it's going to be fun. I can tell you that because I actually have a show this time. <laughs> so people be really excited. <laughs> Lewis Black. It's April the eighth at the Walker Theater. So everybody head on out there and see Lewis at the Walker. And I'll tell you what, Lewis, if I ever see you again at Dick's Comedy Vault, which is hopefully never that I ever have yes. to see you again at that uh, place, but I'll buy you a beer there. That'll be good. No, I'll, I'll get you, uh, and I'll buy you a shot. Yes, I, I appreciate that. All right, Lewis Black, thank Take you. Take care, guys. All right, thank there you. he is. April the 8th at the Walker Theater, one of the great.